This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Go! Hi, Husky fans. Welcome back to Fourth and Inches of Husky Podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm Jake. And we're like Wayne and Dirt. Wayne and Dirt. The only Wayne I know of is from Wayne's World. It's not Wayne's World. You should be able to get it from Dirt. Yeah, Joe Dirt. Yep. Okay, and I don't know who is Wayne Kid Rock. No, no. I, I sell snakes and sparklers. <laughs> Kick, kicking Wayne. Yeah, the guy that sells the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you got to get the good ones. The Husker do's, the Husker don'ts. And then I changed <laughs> my name love- to Kicking Ass. I know I would. Doesn't he love the uh, snakes? Snakes and sparklers. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got me a little bit. I definitely got you. Uh, no, just a little bit. Half Halfsies? Sure, I can agree on that. Awesome. We're here to talk about... Uh... We're here to talk about Washington's loss to Oregon. These, this episode is a kind of a weird episode because, you know, Oregon was the favorite coming into Husky Stadium, but nobody that wears purple wants to lose to these guys. Washington controlled most of the game, and that was the frustrating part is not being able to see them finish. Jake, what are your kind of your initial thoughts on uh, the performance on Saturday afternoon? Well, you know... You're pissed off as a fan, but for me, that's about as good of a loss as you're going to see from this team. It's a really, it's a really good Oregon football team. That's a very physical offensive line. They know how to move defenders, and you stood up to them, and you gave them your best shot. This is a very young team full of freshmen and sophomores, starters, and guys that get a lot of minutes. And they played their tails off. And although I'm not happy about the outcome because you just spoke of it, we were up two scores in the second half. And in the middle of watching it, I'm thinking, we got this. We're at home. They end up kind of running the ball down our throats to finish the game. And it's, it's, a, it's an upsetting loss. But – if you look at it from a unbiased perspective, you never like to lose, but you can say that that loss isn't as bad of a loss as the Stanford or the Cal game. That's a really good team. You played really good football, and you just came up short. I think that's a good point. Which I mean, there's going to be no worse loss on the schedule than Stanford. But, you know, if if this wasn't Oregon and it was – fill-in-the-blank team that was ranked 12th, I think you'd feel pretty good about this uh, this loss, except for what you said, that they were up two scores. Yeah. And the fact that Oregon was able to uh, stop Washington, I thought Washington shot themselves in the foot with some really, really poor play calls. A little vanilla. The the game. A very vanilla. A little vanilla, and uh, I'm going to kind of beat this to a, a to a – until it's dead is you can't say Kamari beat Pleasant... a dead horse trevor you can't say okay. beat a dead horse i'm gonna feed this horse until Thank it's you. stuffed the, the, until it's, it's already so fed. stuffed it's you're dead. feeding 
You're feeding this dead horse. <laughs> yep. You can't. You, ex- thank you. Thank you, Peta. <laughs> um, Kamari Pleasant is your fourth best running back, and we've said it even last year that the the problem with Kamari Pleasant is he can't break a tackle, and having him in that wildcat three times and not having it work when they trotted it out there for the last time, I'm thinking you're either got to get that at the edge or this is just a really, really poor play call. And you know, it didn't work. And with Jacob Beeson playing as well as he did, uh, it's just really disappointing to see them not, I mean, they get that first down. You're looking at giving Oregon the ball back with less than a minute left in the game to try to tie it up. Uh, you're in really good shape to win that game, and they just couldn't quite execute it. Yeah. You know, like you said, a little bit of vanilla play calling, I think, really ended up hurting this team late in the fourth quarter. You saw a deep shot to Jordan Chin to take a two-score lead, and that's kind of that's kind of what I think is the strong suit of this offense, is when you catch defenses on their heels, we have the ability to attack. With the strength of his arm, and the accuracy of which he throws it. And then you, you have the breaking ability of Ahmed around a corner, and he's faster than anybody on the field. If you catch a defense on its heels and you take a shot, you have the ability to score at any point. But when, you, when you're up two scores and you decide to huddle around the ball and, and maybe try to kill clock instead of keep scoring at a pace that you had been scoring on, then teams start to figure out what's going on because it's not hard to figure out. And that's when they start attacking you. And that's when you start going four and out. We started going four and out regularly in the later third and early fourth. And it really started hurting this team's chances of winning. You know, and that's really interesting because in the beginning, in that third quarter, Washington's up there. um, Savon Ahmed was gashing that defense. Yeah. And when they loaded the box to stop him, that's when you unleash Jacob Eason and this young, super talented wide receiving core to put the nail in their, in the coffin. Yeah. Cause it's a home game. You're an underdog and you are playing well enough to win. I just really wish they wouldn't have taken that foot off the gas in that situation. And now what's the difference between this year's team and the, the previous three years team? is when you have a lead of two scores, the game's over. You can rely on that defense to shut that team down. You can't necessarily do that with this team, not yet anyways, because they're young and they're inexperienced. You give this defense two more years and give them experience, this defense will be that team. But as of right now, you can't take your foot off of that pedal because you can't trust – this defense not to let Oregon score. That's a really good offense with a really good offensive line. They're going to find ways to score. And that's really interesting you say that because this defensive line is super duper talented, but they are young and and you did see them um start to uh wear out, I guess is, is and, a good and, word for and it. Not even not even the defensive line, but that screen pass that Oregon scored on, Trent McDuffie was way out of way out of place on that play. They only and had 10 guys on the field at that, uh, for that they play. They did, but you also saw Trent McDuffie kind of get lost and, and took his eye off of the guy that he was supposed to be guarding. And it ended up gashing us for a long touchdown. 
And that's because he's a young kid that still needs to mature and to grow. I wish I was more. I mean, I am, I am upset about this game, but looking at the trajectory of Washington and this program and where they're at and where Oregon is right now, um, I feel like this could be the final win for this Oregon team in this rivalry for years to come. And maybe that's what I'm clinging to, to give me hope and why I'm not as upset as I thought I would be after a Washington loss to Oregon. I hope so. Um, they do have us at home next year. And I think a lot of that win next year depends on if Eason comes back or not. It's going to be tough to go to Oregon with a, a, a first year starting quarterback and go down and grab that W. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think that if you get Oregon later in the year, you know, maybe that quarterback has enough under his belt to be able to go down there and win in a hostile environment next year's, if you just flip the script on what they're going to be doing, you know, they're going to be on the road at Oregon. They're going to be on the road at Cal. They're going to be on the road. They're going to have Oregon state at home. Uh, and I miss it. Uh, and you're going to have Washington state on the road. So the bulk of your tougher games traditionally are going to be on the road. So if it is Easton, you feel good. If it's that, you know, if it's sermon or, or Dylan Morris, um, you know, uh, it's going to kind of be wait and see what they can do. Uh, you know, uh, sermon will be in the program for three years at that point. You feel pretty good. So I'm not really sure, but I know that this is going to be the best Oregon team that we're going to see for, uh, for a little while. I know that their recruiting classes have been good. Um, and, and that Thibodeau guy was, was pretty good on Sunday uh, or on Saturday. And, um, he's been, uh, a disrupting force on that defensive line, but everybody's gone off that offensive line, except for Penny Sewell. Um, you're not going to see Troy die anymore. Justin Herbert will obviously be gone. And so, you know, there's going to be some, you know, it's going to kind of be what Washington was this year down in Oregon where they got some talent but we're going to actually see what Mario Cristobal's system can produce. Yeah, absolutely. That's a phenomenal point too, because next year's Oregon team will be this year's Washington team. Very young, but very talented. Now, can they put it together? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, time will definitely have to tell with that. I couldn't tell you who their backup quarterback is. Um, Well, next year you'd think it'd be Millen. Yeah, they got another guy that they seem pretty high on. I think he, he's in the middle. Yeah, I mean, Kale Millen, sure, we know the name. Um, but I'm sure, you know, Joe Oregon fan doesn't know who Dylan Morris or uh, Jacob Sermon are either. So, sure. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm sure that they got, you know, it's a Division One program that's recruited well. I'm sure they got some guys. But um, as we can see, um, one of the most uh, – valuable things that a, a college program can have is, is depth and, and, um, and guys with experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what bit us in the butt in the Oregon game. You know, you got a bunch of, you, you see Aaron Fuller go down and the good part is, is there's a lot of talent behind him, but were they ready for that big game situation? I don't know. I mean, that last play with Puka, to me, it screamed offensive pass interference, but it also screamed to me that he's young and that he got tripped up and 
it's a big time in that game and you need to keep your footing and you need to, you need to make a play. Yeah. And you're definitely right about that, that it was, I mean, in my opinion, it was not my opinion in experts opinion. That was absolutely a blatant pass interference, but you're hoping that if, you know, maybe he has some extra time or in the system and a little bit stronger that he's able to stay up. And it looks like that guy's more draped on him on that play. Yeah. But that's hard to say because, you know, you really – I don't know how hard he hit him. It's hard to stay up when you get hit from behind. Yeah, especially when your feet get tangled too. <laughs> right. So – So I do know that my, my really good friend, Matt, brought this up to me. I am brother. not – no, 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 no. Different Matt. Oh, okay. A, a good friend, Matt, not my brother, Matt. Got it. I can't go out of town anymore because every time I do, the Huskies lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were gone again. I was gone in Cal, Stanford, and I was gone in Vegas for the Oregon game. And all three times I've been out of town, we've lost. So I'm sorry, Husky fans across the globe. That's on Freaking me. Jake's fault. That, that's on me. Why <laughs> don't you just one. work – just work a normal week, dude. Like, hang out with your family for once. <laughs> I, you know, I, I strive Stay to be home. a better. I strive to be a better dad, but I just can't do it. <laughs> you, you just like you're going. You're going out with your daddy to California. You're going to uh, Vegas. Like, who did I go to Vegas with, Trev? You went to Vegas with. Uh, uh-huh. And your daddy. <laughs> my whole race team. <laughs> oh, okay. But my wife was there. Yep. So, I mean, that's like kind of being a good husband, right? We're not talking about being a good husband. We're talking about being a good dad. Oh, okay. That's my bad. Again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Husky, Husky fans, again, that's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'll eat that one. Very good. Now... I have a question for you. Okay. There's been a lot of social media attacks on this coaching staff. I've had friends that are Husky fans text me, listeners shoot me messages, very upset with this coaching staff. Myself, I am not. But in your opinion, is Chris Peterson on the hot seat? No. I know that the question was coming up. You kind of gave me a hint to it. I saw it on social media. If you think that Chris Peterson's on the hot seat, you have to show me how firing Chris Peterson and replacing him with somebody that would be available would be an upgrade. And I don't think there's many coaches in the nation. Urban Meyer's not be- coming here. And personally, dude, I don't want Urban Meyer near my program. Yeah. Because he stays for four years, wins the national, and leaves. Yeah, and and he leaves it in disarray. Yeah. So yeah, or, uh, Ohio or, State's or really in, Ohio State's really in disarray right now. How about steeped in controversy? Okay, fine. That's better. Um, what about Bush Hamden? Yeah, his seat's warm. I think that they become too predictable too often. I think that there's been some. He he's recruited well. Um, he's well liked in the program by the players. Again, we've talked about it a few times already. It's the easiest job in sports to critique. 
Um, everybody thinks they're smarter than the offensive coordinator. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, if you're telling me that one of them's going to be gone, it's obviously going to be Bush Hamden. Cause I don't see Chris Peterson leaving. Um, there's no way he's being fired. So Jimmy uh, Lake, Jimmy Lake Stan, uh, unless he gets a job. Unless he gets, well, I've heard he's also the coach in waiting. Well, I mean, is, is that I, a tactic to keep him here? I mean, it, how long was Hop in Syracuse as the coach in waiting? Yeah, fair enough. So it was a long time. Um, you know, if that's the case, that's great. Um, I think the one that probably should be a little bit worried would be uh, uh, Bob Gregory. He's the special teams coordinator, and he's the uh, inside linebackers coach. And, you know, there's, we've seen a lot of issues with the inside linebackers this year. Um, just this year though, and just with this group, I disagree uh, with that because okay. what did he, what, what, what did he put out last year? Now this is, I, I, that would be someone who's most likely, and that's probably the most ire I've seen on Twitter and on Facebook is for Bob Gregory. But one thing that we must remember about this inside linebacking core is they were counting on DJ Beavers to be the stud of this defense this year. Yeah. And DJ Beavers, unfortunately, couldn't stay healthy. But when he was healthy, he was a really good linebacker. And that, that's where I was going next is you, yep. you, you also lost Ali Cahill. So that's, that's on him or somebody on the coaching staff. You know, that seemed a little shady. Um, so I'm not going to blame him for that. However, you know, is this just a progression of losing nine, a, a lot of NFL players in the last few years and the guys that you got to replace them are uh are young you know that could be part of it Uh, i know that chris you know strasser missed out on that really good offensive line class uh and he was replaced by uh huff and huff has gone out and had fantastic uh offensive line classes yeah so peterson's not gonna fire somebody or replace somebody just for uh, just to shake things up. If he's going to do it, it's going to be um, because of a uh, there's a, a massive upgrade somewhere to get. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I really appreciate also about Coach Peterson is he is a loyal person. You know, Gregory didn't get the two year contract like all the other coaches did, so that was maybe something, but. You know, it's kind of a wait-and-see situation, man. Yeah, and as far as Coach Peterson's assistant goes, he has a good track record of his assistants going other places and doing and being very successful. So I guess what I'm saying is, is you just need to give these guys a little bit more time. You need to give Bush Hamden a little bit more time. And I know that's hard, especially with the talent that we have on this offense. But at some point, they're going to figure it out with this talent. What they could have done, and, and timing didn't work, because Jonathan Smith, for everybody who says he was a terrible offensive coordinator, he's gone down to Oregon State, and he's building a program from nothing. Yeah. Um, he's, he's well thought of as an offensive mind. The only guy that I could think of that would have been a great fit there after he left and the timing just didn't work out was Jeff Tedford. Uh, because by the time, you know, he was a consultant with Washington, but by the time... Smith got the job 
in Oregon State, he had already taken over the job at Fresno State. Yeah. But other than that, I can't think of a I, – I always, I always liked Bo Baldwin, but I don't think he's going anywhere. So if you can find a better offensive coordinator, of course he's going to make that that deal. But there's also a lot of relationship that goes back with Bush Hamden all the way back to Chris Peterson recruiting him to come to Boise State and play quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and I think those two have a very good relationship with each other, and I think that there's a lot of trust between those two. I think Chris Peterson has a lot of trust in Bush Hamden and and will continue to have a little bit, a, a lot of trust in him. But at the end of the day, I think he's going to tell Bush, you need to figure your S out, and you need to figure it out now because we can't keep losing. This program, this program honestly, does not accept losing, and we need to keep winning. Honestly, like Osborne and Spiker were here, and uh, Ty Jones is here because of Bush Hamden. Yeah. Uh, Bush Hamden recruited both of those guys. I remember listening uh, to Austin Osborne on another podcast um, with Mike Martin, and he was saying how upset he was when Bush Hamden left for the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, to just come back that next year and be part of this program again. So, you know, when you're calling for coaches' jobs, and and this is something really near to my heart, when you're calling for a coach's head, like the ramifications of that are so much deeper than wins and losses and yards and touchdowns. These are relationships that these kids have built with these these coaches. And although there is a point where there has to be accountability, you're dealing with young players on this team and they all come because they want to play for coach Peterson. And that's the relationship that matters the most. But these, these players spend most of their time with their position group coaches and ripping, ripping kids away from that relationship is a lot more impactful than you and me talking about, coaches losing their jobs absolutely and, and it's young kids that are very impressionable too so they have somebody that's that they're spending all their time with one year teaching them the ways of football and the ways of life and then they're taken away and they're given somebody else that teaches them a completely different philosophy on everything that they just learned and that's really tough to go through for a kid well i even saw it this week um uh, Lars Hansen had tweeted something out about asking Peterson a question about the, the wildcat. And he said that Peterson kind of stared him down and he's like, you can stare down into my soul. There's nothing there, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Miles Gas kind of got on this guy's case about it. Uh, these guys really care about their coaches. And, and, you know, as a coach, these relationships are not lightly, not lightly broken and, and, it, and it's hurtful when it does. And um, I'm never going to – I'm not going to accept Washington being a second-rate program. But Washington is super talented, super young, and the, the brightest parts are ahead of us. So I don't think calling for coaches' heads is necessarily something I'm super-duper comfortable with. I totally agree. I agree that I don't think any of these coaches' seats should be hot or warm. I, yeah. think, I think they're having a down year. And – Right now we're five and three, and we're complaining about a down year, and that's okay because six, seven years ago, five and three, we would have been looking pretty for we, we're going to make the holiday bowl for the you know for the first time 
It'll oh, we celebrated when Chris Polk um, sealed the deal with that touchdown yeah. from the one-yard line against Cal to go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, and we're not too far removed from having a winless season. I, it's still right there in my memory bank. I remember how, humility, how, how humiliating it was to go winless and to hear everybody talk about the winless Huskies. And for us to be calling for coaches' heads – when we're five and three after three consecutive new year, six bowl games is a little greedy in my opinion. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, this isn't saying that if this is a, if this continues that we keep seeing these same issues that, you know, our tune might change, but after, after one year where I think the floor for this team is eight and four. Yeah. There's still a very real possibility that they go nine and three. Yeah, uh, and nine and three in the regular season is exactly where Washington was last year. They just lost to the right teams last year. Yeah, so the the losses have been more frustrating. Um, I might lean more towards eight and four than nine and three. That still puts you at nine and four. Eight and four. You're we're probably second or third in the Pac-12 North. I'm I'm taking that for a year. You know, if it's the same thing next year and we start to get in, you know, a couple of years down the road where we're still in that eight, nine wins, you know, maybe there's some conversations to have. But these coaches know that there's some things that are going to have to change as, as the personnel changes. And they're they're smart people and, and I believe that they're gonna make the necessary adjustments to be really, really successful next year. Well, there's a reason that those guys are coaching and we're sitting on our couches talking about these guys are smart. They're going to, they're going to figure it out. And if they don't, you know, then that that's going to be another conversation, but great question. Um, I might be a little more like on the, like you guys don't understand, like it's it getting, losing a coaching job sucks. Yeah. And you, you've lived that. Yep. Probably because you should have gotten fired years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you probably should have never got hired. I mean, I took a one win team to a 14 win team. You tell me if I should have gotten fired. <laughs> uh... Yeah. And, and that's where you're going to feel like some of my emotions when it comes to losing these relationships with the kids, you know, it's, 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 um, it, it the, that's what, that's why people coach. Um, and, and it's to win games and these guys are winning games. Yep. So, um, you ready to do some grades? I would love to. All right. Jake, I feel, give the... I, I feel like our grades are going to be totally different from each other. I'd be interested to see that. I think this could be some, uh, some good conversation. We'll see what we got. What do you got for quarterbacks? Quarterback. I got an A 23 of 30 for 289 yards and three touchdowns. Only one time I watched him make a throw I thought was a poor decision, and it landed in between a couple of defenders. The rest of, the, the rest of his throws were good reads and thrown with a purpose and accurately. He looked really good all day, and he threw three touchdowns against a team that was ranked number one in the nation in red zone defense efficiency. Had only given up one, touch, one touchdown in the red zone all year previous to, to last week. I hope you didn't think I was going to say anything else other than that because I thought Eason was a freaking star. No, it, I, in my opinion, 
Eason just earned himself a top 15 pit in the draft next year, and he's gone because of that game. I, I'm I kind of with you on that. Um, I, if Jacob Eason decides to go to the NFL, uh, if I'm an NFL executive, I know who I'm taking. Yeah. Running backs. Savon Ackman gets an A. He's oh, the, yes. He's the only one I'm grading today. Okay. This, I'm, uh, I, I can respect that. This team is obviously hurting with Newton and McGrew to, uh, to be out. To get, you know, Ackman needs a breather. Um, and Newton and McGrew bring completely different aspects to the running game. They bring a more physical downhill running style. Uh, you really saw how much the Wildcat missed Richard Newton, Dick Newton being in because Kamari Pleasant just uh, can't handle that load. I don't know what it is about Kamari Pleasant that he is an upperclassman and is getting passed up by a redshirt freshman and two other younger guys. And he had a big drop pass too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He did, man. I I hated that drop pass too. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, Do you think that if, if McGrew is healthy, does Washington win that game? Uh, Yes, I do. I think uh, I agree with you. I think I, I just think he adds such a different dimension than what Ackman brings. Ackman is the, he, he's the burner. McGrew's going to kind of punch you in the mouth. And I think that he would have been really good running back for the fourth quarter for us. I totally agree with you. And if you're going to run the Wildcat, I would much rather see McGrew run it. Even, you know, if you have to run it, I'd rather not. Um, I think without Richard Newton, you kind of throw that out. I, I agree. I agree. I think Richard Newton is the perfect short yardage back for us. I, he just always seems to get those yards. What do you got for the receivers? B plus, I think uh, after the hand was forced by injuries to Coach Pete, he got more guys important game reps, and I think the young guys stepped up. Thirteen catches, 163 yards, and two touchdowns between six different receivers in this game. I mean, the last four podcasts, what have we been complaining about this receiver for, Trev? Not enough guys are getting the ball. Two guys catching the ball all the time. It's been Pacelli and it's been Fuller. Fuller gets hurt, and, and you know what? And what do you see? You see. You see Puka, you see uh, Os- uh, not Osborne, but you see um, uh, Spiker. Spiker. You see Bynum. Bynum. Yeah. You, I mean, uh, Chico had a catch. Bacelli only had one catch, but you see the ball getting spread. Uh, uh, um, Jordan. Chin, Jordan Chin. Jordan Chin going out making two catches, one for a super long touchdown. It was amazing, man. Seeing different guys, it makes the offense so much more unpredictable when you have more than just two guys catching balls the whole day. What do you think Jordan Chin's average per reception for yards is on the season? 45. Ooh, 43 and a half. Good job. (laughs) Now he's getting touched long touchdowns, baby. He's a burner. Yep. So Andre Pacelli, um, saw, saw some reps, um, and I was really pleased with, with his, with, with his one reception. Because that was uh, that was one that previously he he falls for. Yeah. Um, he was able to keep his balance and get into the end zone for that. Uh, um, it was a horizontal pass to him that he was able to break into the end zone. I just don't think. So, um, I don't think there's a lot I'm, of trust I'm, in Bacelli. I, I and I think that comes from Eason. Yeah. Um, I I a, a B sounds good to me. 
Puka Nakua was was good. Um, I, I'd like to see them get the ball to him more. Terrell Bynum was open uh, all day. Uh, Terrell Bynum's looking like your your third down receiver of the future. That slot guy, he had six receptions for forty three yards. So um, he's a he's from what it looks like, he's a sure handed guy. He's young, so he's missed a few blocks that I think have cost him some reps this year. But that guy's going to be a real contributor going forward. Marcus Spiker making a, a one catch for 20 yards, but that was a big play that really kept them in that game on the third and 25. Yeah. So there's some really good things happening in the uh, in the receiving court. And, you know, if Jordan Chin goes out there and catches one ball a game, uh, for a 45 we, yard we touchdown. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, he's got four. That was a 48 yard touchdown. And he had the other one was in the thirties. Um, this team is at its best. He's a longer lanky Quentin pounce. Yeah. And this team is at its best when it's taking shots downfield like that. You know? I mean, you got, you got a, a once in a generation arm talent. You might as well freaking use it. Right. And it, you get, you know, you get the defense reeling a little bit. You get, throw a little, you know, that's the that's the nice part about this offense too is you force feed Ahmed, and he's gashing the defense. So you hit him with the play action, and you know the safeties have moved up, the linebackers have bit, and all of a sudden you're going over the top, and that's it's wonderful to see. That's that's perfect football. What do you give the tight ends? I give the tight ends also a B plus. Six catches, 118 yards for the two tight ends. This is my favorite group of this offense. I have now spread on the cotton saying to multiple people. I feel like we need to hashtag that. And hashtag I feel like, cotton. Yeah, I feel like it's going to become viral here real quick. Like C-A-U-T-T-O-N, like caught. We, we could do however – ooh. Because he's like catching the ball, cotton. I like that. We'll ooh. see how it plays out. We could dig it. Both of these two are absolute matchup nightmares, man. My only wish they're both going to be playing on Sunday. Yeah, my only wish is that we we would give them the ball more. I want to see more of these guys. Looking at this stat line, it's so weird because we're actually talking about this in a pretty positive way because the offense played really well for most of the game. Yeah, but this is exactly what a really good offense does. It has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different players catching balls for yep. positive yards. Yep. And the ball's getting spread around. If you spread, that means that you're getting fresh bodies in. That means that we're seeing Eason go to different guys. This is the kind of stat line that wins games. And just 20 minutes ago on this podcast, we were talking about Bush Hamden having a hot seat. But if you look at this game, if you look at this offense versus that defense, that's the best defense that this team has played all year. And they go out Absolutely. and put up these kinds of numbers, and I'm giving these guys these kinds of grades. Bush Hamden had a good day. This offense yeah, it, had and, a good day. And it's day. just a couple of plays that makes people go sour on it. And that's a really good point. Yeah. What do you give the offensive line? I give the offensive line an A minus. I think these guys really held up protection really good all day. Um, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You know, you got you got Easton thrown for 289. You got Ahmed running for 140. The offense had four total touchdowns on the day. The offensive line was a juggernaut all day against a very talented 
Oregon defense. That I think that was the most complete game we've seen from the offensive line all year as a, as a unit. So we gave Washington grades on the offensive side, and I'm, I agree with, with everything you said. We gave Washington grades along the offensive line or uh, for the offense against uh, for a loss against this Oregon defense. But if you look at what this Oregon defense did, they gave up 21, 6, 3, 6, 7, 3, and 31. This is what this offense can do. Yeah. As good as my defense or my offensive grades were, I think your grades for the defense are a little shaky. So let's go to D tackles. So D tackles, uh, I'm going to give a C plus. I thought they were pretty good in the first half, giving up only 14 points to a pretty good Oregon offense. They were stopping CJ Verdell in the backfield. They were stifling some of the things that that great offensive line was trying to do. Uh, and Justin Herbert, frankly, didn't look in rhythm or good after that first drive of the first quarter. But they did wear down, and Oregon was able to kind of impose their will in some ways on Washington that I, I can't give them, uh, you know, a beer in it. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, that's perfect. Um, linebacker. Outside linebackers. I'm just going to keep putting them with the defensive linemen. Okay. Um, okay. Inside they, line- they were fine. Inside linebackers. Inside linebackers, uh, they get an F. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they they did not look good. They did not have an impact. I'm actually looking right now at the stats. Brandon Wellington actually had 11 tackles on the day. There were points where, ah, eh, an F might be too no, great. No, it's not. Uh, Brandon Wellington, I mean, you can't I don't have care. 11 tackles. I don't care. Tyler Manu was a nightmare. He was out of position all day. Um, it's the thing that really boils my blood the most about this is we didn't see Ariel Nagata in that, in that role as an inside linebacker at all. And I'm looking right now and Ariel Nagata did not record a tackle. Why did we go back to that? I'm not sure why. I know that Oregon is, you know, they have more of a prototypical quarterback and they run more of a, a prototypical offense. You can't tell me after stifling that offense that Nagata couldn't have been effective in this game as well. It's better than anything that, Oh, uh, it, you know, it's better than Kyler Manu's two tackles. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think this linebacking core is in shambles. Can't stand watching them. I am so struck, you know, all year we've kind of had comparisons between the wide receiver core and the linebacking core. The wide receiver core is making steps in progression. I don't feel like that's happening at all with the linebacking core at all. I think they're the same that they were at the start of the year. Weakest point of this defense, which in this defense, you cannot have your linebacking core be the weakest part of your defense. Yeah, um, that's a really good way to say it. It's frustrating to watch. It is. And, and it's a bummer because, you know, just being out of position, not being able to make those plays that, that turn this win, this loss into a win. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, based on our grades, you can tell that we're going to blame this loss on the defense. Because from the most – 31 points with a traditional Washington defense, you win this game nine times out of ten. Yeah. So. Corners? Uh, corners, you got to give them a C. 
they there were some good plays made, but there was also some busts in coverage that led to Oregon. You can't you can't have great grades when you give up thirty five points. Right. Um, Trent McDuffie, as you alluded to earlier, was out of position on that touchdown when they had only ten get men on the field. That can't happen. Um, there's just there's there's things that happen in this game that uh, from the from the corners that can't happen if you're going to win this game. It yeah. seemed like guys were open. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Safeties. See. Yeah. Um, Miles Bryant, you know, oh. seven tackles. He was fine. He missed. He took some bad routes. He missed some tackles that hurt this defense. And then Asa Turner, the only time that he really stood out on the field was on that when he the roughing the passer, I think it ended up being called where oh, that was a bad play. It was a bad play. He was in his defense. He wasn't trying to tackle him. He was sliding on his knees and he ran into him. Um, you got to try to jump over him. You got to do something that doesn't make it look like it because real time it looked like a roughing. When you yeah. saw it in slow motion, you're like, oh man, he's trying to get out of the way. You can't make that play, dude. I mean, that's that's seven points. Yep. So. Uh, that was that was a th- second down that would have given them a long third down or a third down. I can't quite remember, but they were going to kick the field goal instead of uh, get that first touchdown of the game. Yep. So that's kind of what I got from the defense overall, probably a C across the board. Yeah, defense was, like you said, based on our grades, offense looked pretty good all day. Defense had moments. I mean – Oregon looks stifled. You, me, and your dad were texting all game. And at one point, your dad texted three three and outs in a row for Oregon's offense. I got mad at him because he put bad luck on us, and then they go down the field and score on us the next drive. But, uh, you know, three drives in a row, Oregon's offense was stifled in the second quarter. And our defense looked really good at points. But then at other points, our defense looked like they weren't even out on the field. There was a fourth and three on Oregon's side of the field in the third quarter when, when Washington was up two scores that they went for it. That's where they fig- That's where they felt that they were, and they were able to pick it up and eventually went down and scored a touchdown. Um, that's where if they don't was, get that, we go up three. We we go up three scores. Three scores right and you that. win exactly, yep. and it's and it's that close. Yep. So, yeah, um, defense is young. They showed flashes of being really good. Um, their their playmakers didn't make some of the plays that they needed to make, and uh, that's how you lose a game against a really talented upperclassman team. Who's your MVP? I'm going to go with Skinny. Okay. Uh, like I said, he just earned himself a top 20 pick in the NFL draft next season. You know, that, that defense is really, really good. They have really good secondary, and uh, he kind of picked them apart all day. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for a pass interference, I think he could have he let a game-winning drive, which would have been the signature win on the year. So I, uh, I really like his performance, and I think he deserves to be the player of the game. That's a really good pick. From the defensive side, I'm going to say um, Levi Onwuzurike had a really, really good game. I yeah. thought that he he was he was really disruptive. He was one that was getting consistently in the backfield, making plays in the backfield that made Justin Herbert, especially his day, a little bit tougher. 
Yeah. And um, for that, I give him the uh, defensive MVP. Who you got on notice? You know, who do you choose, right? That's that's a that's a tough one for me because you got um, – can I put Kyler Manu on it? I feel like he's always on it. I feel like I'm beating my head against a wall already about yeah. him. So feeding like, the fed horse. <laughs> I'm feeding the fed horse. So I can't necessarily go that route. Um, I don't know, Miles Bryant. You got to be better. Okay. Okay. Who's yours? I'm going to feed that fed horse. Okay. I'm going to go with those linebackers, both of them. I, okay. I don't think I, – I, I'm so tired of watching them play the way that they've been playing. It's just really frustrating to watch these two guys get – consistently go out there and underperform. Yeah, totally agree. So, all right, are you ready to close the – put Oregon to bed? I am ready to put Oregon to bed. You went back to your old ways last week. <laughs> oh, I sucked again. Yep. I suck you, again. You got two wins to four losses. Not um, as bad I, as I was for a while. That's true. Um, I stood I stood pat at uh three and three. Okay. So you you picked Stanford to beat UCLA uh, to cover their seven point spread. I picked UCLA. UCLA obviously run out one Boy. outright. That makes Boy. Washington's loss look even worse. Yeah. Let's see. You did pick OSU to cover the Cal score, and of course they, they went out and beat Cal. Yeah. Um, we both picked ASU because ASU never loses by more than two touch two scores, and we were super duper wrong about that. <laughs> um, I picked WSU to cover the twelve and a half point spread against Colorado, and they demolished them. You picked Colorado. Colorado just looks like they're quitting. They kind of do. Um, Steven Montez looks broken. Yeah. Uh, we both picked SC to cover. They did that rather easily against Arizona. And then of course we picked UW to cover and they did not cover by one, by point. one freaking point. Yeah. So, and I, I actually, when I was in Vegas, I put, I put some money down on UW to win and I thought I was sitting on a fat hog. And ca- the casino just got a little richer. A little bit richer. So, um, overall on the season, I'm 22 and 24. Jake is a hot mess at Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you are, man, you suck. Uh, I do. Oh, the worst thing you could do this do, year is to go do down. You have to Vegas. rub it in. I'm loving right. this. I'm still waiting for my Utah jersey. I haven't even like started talking to you about, you know, because last year we were going to do a jersey on this one and we got uh, the same record. I got to go down the toilet to stick out where you're at. Do you want the do you want the nifty feather Utah jersey? Dude, I want that that black one. That black one's sweet. Okay. All right, let's make picks. So I can right. lose. You're going I mean, chances are that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Odds are. The odds on favorite are for you to not do well. Okay, first up on Friday, October twenty fifth, we have SC traveling to Colorado. SC is a thirteen and a half point favorite. Jake, who do you got? USC. 
Uh, yeah, until Colorado shows anything, right. I don't know who's going to be picking Colorado to cover. Um, right. Two touchdowns for SC against that defense, I'd say no problem. I'm a little surprised that it's that low. You know, um, I, I'm with you on that. I would take them up to probably 17. 21. 21. You take them to 21. I would take them to 21. And that, my friends, is why I'm 13 and 87. That's probably <laughs> – actually, you know what? You're probably right. But the way Colorado's uh, playing, dude, I mean, I guess the only reason why they're, they're probably not that high is because it's a road game for SC. Yeah. That's the only thing Maybe. I can think of. So at a neutral site, they think SC is only 16 points better than Colorado? 16 and a half, obviously. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't know. All right, move on. All right, next we got Arizona going to Stanford. Arizona is a one-point favorite on the road. Jake, who do you got? I'm going to take Arizona. Oh, so far we are in lockstep. I agree (laughs) with you. Um, Stanford, for some reason, was able to beat Washington, but they look super-duper broken. Yeah. But that probably means they're going to come back and win this week because we don't know By, like, 17. Yeah, for sure. This this conference is so frustrating. It's tough to pick, man. It is hard to pick. And I think that this year with, you know, there's two teams that are kind of above everybody else. But everybody else, I mean – can you really be certain that a team is going to win from week to week? I mean, these spreads are ridiculous. And these underdogs, double-digit underdogs, not only are covering the spreads, they're winning games winning. outright. Yeah. So, I mean, you just, it's, what, you it's just hard. It, but you just saw it with Georgia. That's true. You know. Yeah. Sorry, Jamie. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Next we got – where are we? Uh, We got ASU traveling to UCLA. ASU is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite going into the Rose Bowl. What do you got, Jake? ASU to cover. Okay. So far, so good. You're either going to have a great week or another really bad week. (laughs) Next we got – do you want to say anything about that game? No. That's going to be the boring bowl. Most likely, yeah. But you're, we're gonna watch Bino Benjamin run the ball forty-eight times. Yeah, I, I'm I'm assuming, and Arizona State will win by three just to screw us over. Yeah. Next, we got Cal traveling to Utah. Utah is a twenty-one and a half point favorite. They've been kicking the crap out of everybody they've been playing lately. I know. And I actually pick. had I had Cal to cover, and then uh, I just got done watching Cal's debacle against Oregon State, and I'm going to pick Utah. Yeah, me too. Until Chase Garbers is uh, not Chase. Uh, yeah, Chase Garbers is back. I'm not picking Cal, regardless of the spread. Right. I don't know if Devon Monster is as bad as he's showing. But this offense obviously hums when Garbers is out there, as opposed to you know. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't think Garbers. I don't think that offense really hums when Garbers there. I don't think that their offense is dynamic by any means. How about capable? But, 
I think that's a better board for their offense when Garbers is on the field. Tolerable. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Last last one of the night, we got WSU traveling to Oregon. Oregon's a 14-point favorite. WSU is riding a four-game win streak against the Ducks. Does that come to an end? Do they cover? What do you think, Jake? I don't think they win, and I don't think they cover. All right. I got two words for you. Go Cougs. (laughs) I got three words for you. Don't Coug it. Please. Please. I'm picking WSU until Oregon can be to, to I'm win. Sticking with them. I mean, I'm not going to say to win. I'm going to say to cover. Come on, I Trev. Think they, yeah, they're going to win. <laughs> Bet your jersey on it. No, you're just trying to get out of a hole. <laughs> a big hole. Y- yeah. I mean, I got to find some reason for you to give up that jersey bet. You're just going to have to fork it up. I mean, there's no way after watching this iteration of Oregon and this iteration of WSU that I would bet anything on WSU (laughs) doing anything good or bad. Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Jake, we made it. We, We did. It took a while. We, yeah, we're here now. Um, that'll do it for this episode, but I want to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what's going on next week. Jake and I have decided to do more of a collage episode where we have different experts around Washington football and some media, uh, a media member outside of the Washington footprint to talk about different aspects of the program and to really try to get different perspectives on this program for you guys. So you guys hear our takes all the time. You know where we stand with the program. We love this program. We think it's going in the right direction. But we want to see it from different uh, different facets. So we're going to have somebody on to talk historically, roster construction, recruiting, um, from an ex-player perspective and uh, from an outsider's perspective on what they think this program's made of. I am super jacked for this episode. Jake, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I am. I mean, we just recorded our first one tonight, and it was, in my opinion, it was gold. I loved it every minute of it. My favorite part about this is on social media, on our page, and on all other social media avenues that we are affiliated with, we will be naming one person that's on the show for the next five days. And I think everybody that follows us and that listens to us has an idea of who these people are. And I think it's really exciting to be a part of. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yeah. Uh, collaboration is king. I mean, getting different perspectives and different voices on, I think, is something that could really help um, people to see different, different avenues of ways to look at this, raw, uh, look at this program. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be a blast. So. Um, that's it for this week. That's going to be our special bye week episode. So uh, until then, go dogs. Go dogs. Hi, everyone. This is Clint. This is Ross. This is Joel. This is Cutter. This is Tony. From Three Beers In. A proud member of Big Heads Media Network. 
Each episode, we review local Austin craft beer and talk about Clover Bananas. References I don't get. And Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey. So tune in, crack open a beer, and hang out with us. Find us on BigHeadsMedia.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or on 3BeersInPodcast.com. This is the podcast.